one of the things that I always tell young actors immediately is you don't get to be a 19-year-old anymore. You don't get to be a 17-year-old anymore. You don't. You no longer get to be that person. And that goes for social media. Social media is business. It's not personal, just like fame is not personal. Social media is not personal. It's not, you're not on Twitter to make friends. You're on it as a business. Listening to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer, and my co-host Trevor Algat is off saving the world, so he will be joining us next week. Coming up in episode 210, something a bit different on the podcast, our very first interview with a professional publicist. That's right, I sit down with publicist for the Oscars, as in the Academy Awards. Stephen Rohr, or Steve Rohr as he goes by. In part one, Steve talks about his easy and seemingly painless transition into publicity, the world before and after social media, and quite possibly the best interpretation of fame you will ever hear. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from VO2Gogo.com, the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2Gogo.com start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. That's VO2Gogo.com slash start. Well, here we are, folks. It's just me and you this week. I have been keeping up as much as possible with Trevor's gallivanting off in Miami, and it looks like he is having, um, I want to say, an amazing time. I'm sure it's an amazing time, but also just a really informative experience and perhaps even a transformational one, and I'm so excited to ask him all about it um, when he's back on our, on our show next week. Just a, a quick catch up with me. This past week, I ended up having my first class at UCLA with Ben Whitehair. I'm so humbled and excited and eager to learn from the students again. You know, every time that I do my digital actor workshop, for instance, whether it's in the university environment or with the public or um, even just, you know, explaining some of what I do to friends and family. I ultimately end up learning more from them, and already in this first class, the passion and excitement from the students, the questions that they're asking are pushing Ben and myself to be better and to come up with not necessarily answers, but maybe even more questions, because one of the things that we always say on the podcast, I always say in my digital actor workshop, and and Ben and I are, are approaching this class with in saying is we don't have all the answers and there's no such thing as one right way there's no such thing as one right path and so it's really just about bringing ideas and tools to people and letting them you know make the most of that in addition to the class ever since landing in LA I've had a crazy amount of auditions meetings appointments what Whatever you want to call them, they're they're coming in uh, bucket loads right now, which is amazing. I talked about just a couple in last week's episode, and I'm so grateful and frankly surprised because my manager and I were really worried about the move, coming across the country, having an agent in New York but not in Los Angeles. What's it going to be like? And so far, so good. There hasn't been a lot of slowdown. And I'm so, so very grateful. But what does that mean to you? It's like, why do you care? Well, I always like to bring up what I learned on the podcast. And this time, 
what I learned had to do with that crazy amount of auditions. So specifically, there wasn't always between my thrival job and uh, other things going on in, in my life and just the sheer amount of auditions, there wasn't always a lot of time to prepare. And <clears throat> I know there are a lot of actors out there who don't necessarily over-prepare or they don't necessarily like to you know, study their butts off right before an audition, but I am not one of those people. <laughs> and um, I like to be as prepared as possible going into the room. And so that's a really tough challenge for me to think, uh, I, I don't, I'm not off book or I, I don't know if I've made all of the choices I possibly could have made and spend a, uh, as much time with the material as I possibly could have. And so what it forced me to do was two things, be myself and make really strong choices. So what do I mean by that? Well, if I'm going in the room and I'm not off book, I had better have at least made strong choices so that I can make an impression on the casting director, the producer, the writer, whoever's sitting on the other side of that table and show them, you know, I might not be off book for this, but I'm a good actor. I'm a smart actor. I can make strong choices. And if you give me direction or redirection, which I did get in some of these auditions, I can pick that up and run with it. And then, of course, just being my authentic self and rolling with whatever I've got, you know, going on in the room. One of the casting directors for this pilot I went in on was um, having a, a, a not a tough day, not a bad day, but just like kind of a, um, a scattered day, I guess you would say. And I just, you know, I just joked with her. I asked her how she was doing and I, and I could tell because she was running around in between appointments. And when I went into the room, I said something like, um, I can't remember exactly how I put it, but it was something along the lines of, I don't want you to be all upset right before I go or something just to kind of break the ice. And it totally worked. We ended up having a really fun conversation. Um, <clears throat> I learned about her. She learned about me. She had actually uh, seen Life Partners and and saw the LA workshop of Heather's. So we had a lot to, to chat about. It was really, really cool. Um, so that's just, you know, those are the two things I, I learned. Uh, be myself and make strong choices. I also just want to give a quick plug before we roll into the interview portion of the episode. The article that I mentioned last week in last week's episode, Jasmine's article on bicoastal living, has gone live. And I just wanted to remind everyone because, like I said last week, it was so sort of like mind blowing or mind elevating for me because she thought of some stuff that I didn't even think of. And, and here we are, you know, going on this journey together. So um, it might be valuable to other people who are, you know, I think it's it's not only valuable for people who are interested in the bi-coastal thing, but also people who are interested in the working in minor markets thing, because there are some considerations there as well. So uh, the link to that article is in the show notes for this episode. So go ahead and uh, check that out. This episode of Inside Acting is also brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro. That's right, I said pro. The next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors, is coming, and you can be a part of it. Just go to rehearsal.pro/iap right now to get in on the Indiegogo campaign. Put in your feature request and get the new version of Rehearsal at a discount. And this is exclusive for listeners of Inside Acting. If you back the campaign at $12, you get a copy of Rehearsal Pro at a 40% discount. Just use our link, rehearsal.pro slash IAP, and click on the Contribute Now button and enter $12. Use that link. We'll keep track, and we'll get to all, we'll all get to be a part of the creation of this next version of Rehearsal, Rehearsal Pro. We're really excited about it. Contribute now and make... And make the app yours at rehearsal.pro slash IAP. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. So we've got some emails and some voicemails into the podcast over the last week and a half or so since we recorded last. But uh, I, I, I really would, I always love having both of us here for that. So I'm going to table those. So Katie, Emily, Justin, we got your communique. And uh, we'll be getting to them in the next episode. Thank you so much for being in touch. And 
I think that this interview is going to inspire a lot of questions. And so I'm going to talk about that on the other side of the interview. But let me just say that while you're listening to this part of the episode, take notes, write down questions because you're going to have them and we have a plan in place to get them answered. This interview series is a major, major paradigm shift for me and I think for the podcast. I think moving forward, we will literally look at this as a before and after interview what our careers and the podcast was like before this interview and what our careers and the podcast was like afterwards. It is that informative. There's so many knowledge bombs, so much wisdom. Steve is not only an incredible publicist, not only is he incredible at what he does, but his mindset is amazing and his care for and awe of actors and what they do is really inspiring. There were moments in this interview where I didn't even know where to go next because I just wanted to stop for like five minutes and take a breath and make a sandwich or something because I needed a moment to just absorb. So my guess is you might actually go back and listen to this episode and the next couple of episodes again. So enjoy this guys and catch you on the other side. Folks, welcome to the interview portion of the podcast. This is AJ, and I'm so happy to be sitting here with, uh, as I said before, something very special, very new, very different from what we've had on the podcast before. This is the first time we've ever had a a publicist on the podcast, and wow, did we go right to the top of the uh, the cream of the crop for this one? Because we are sitting here with Steve Rohr, who amongst other things is literally the show publicist for the Academy Awards, as in the Oscars. He's also been uh, the publicist for some of his longtime clients include Martin Sheen, Hal Holbrook, Marissa Ramirez. We could go on and on. Uh, his resume is quite impressive, but I'm also going to ask him to introduce uh, himself and what he does. So um, without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Steve. Well, I couldn't have written that better myself, but I probably did write it I'm <laughs> thinking about it. You know what? I'm really thrilled to be on this show, actually, AJ. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of this show. I am. Not... Uh-huh. Trevor, Trevor so much, but, you know, he's not here, so, you know, I, I know Trevor a little bit, so, and, and and thank you for making sure he wasn't here yeah. during my actual yes. interview, I we, really appreciate it. That was, Jen, you know, made that deal with my office, that he would not be here, so, you sent him to some convention about climate change or something, and yeah. there he Something is. no one cares about. Absolutely. No, <laughs> actually, I, I am a fan, I think the show is fantastic. <laughs> Being very truthful, I, I'm very impressed with this podcast and with this site because there are so few resources for actors and other actors giving those other actors advice and then also bringing in all these other people who can help elevate their career without being sort of smarmy, right? Yeah, you see a charging lot of an arm and a leg or... So I'm thrilled to be here. Well, so are we, and I have... So many questions for you. Um, so how in the world does someone become a publicist? What, what was your journey like to where you are right now? Right. When you're, you're reading all of these credits, it sounds like somebody else. I'll be honest with you. It sounds like, who is this person? They're, they're very cool. I need to meet these, this person. They're BFFs with They're, they're incredible. Sheen. They're incredible. Like, you know, no one <clears throat> is more surprised than I that I get to stand on the red carpet of the Oscars every year. Nobody is more shocked than I to have the privilege of working with the likes of Martin Sheen and helping to develop young talent, achieve their, their goals and their dreams. Truly, nobody 
could be possibly more flabbergasted because I'm a kid from Montana. Grew up in a little town in Montana. So I didn't know from Hollywood. I didn't know anything about Hollywood. And of course, this is radio, so you can't see me, but I'm an Asian person. I'm of the Asian persuasion. And if you know anything about Montana, oh, well, it's chock full of Asians, as you can well imagine. Just Asians, wall-to-wall Asians. You know, it's 0.06% Asians in the entire state. So that's, that's where that was. And so I was always a bit of an outsider. And I found some solace in watching television and, and movies, quite frankly, and always wanted to work in a very creative environment. And as it happened, I didn't start out doing that. <laughs> you know, I went to school and, and got my master's degree and went into corporate America, and it just didn't feel right at all to me. Hmm. didn't feel right at all. So I moved to Los Angeles not knowing anyone, and which is, by the way, this not, not good. That's not a good idea, by the way, just, just so you know. Not a great idea. And things have worked out. Things yeah. have worked out. Well, it sounds like you found a great a great mix of your passion for movie making, your passion for storytelling, and the business acumen that you brought with you from your... Because I saw your two, you have two degrees. Maybe I'm missing one. I do. I have, a, I have a master's in communication, which will probably surprise most of your listeners by this time in the show. <laughs> you know... I've always loved actors. I love the craft of acting. I, I celebrate it. I think it's extraordinary. And we have all of these actors who are, are artists, but they're not fantastic business people. Yeah. And so I started my media career as a producer and an interviewer type person for CBS News and for TV Guide Network at the time. And I was interviewing all these new actors for all these shows. And what really struck me was lack of representation for people of color especially at that mm. time it was pretty pretty scarce to see a person of color and then when you did they lacked the professional to help them you know navigate their career and i'm not sure why this was maybe we because we were sort of late to the table but it was always somebody's auntie or somebody's best friend mm. and i thought that's that's sort of a shame right and i had the opportunity then to transition to PR, it was a complete surprise to me. I, I'd never I'd never really had heard of a publicist before all these years. And then when I was working as a producer, I knew publicists and I thought, gee, I'd never want to be one of these people. <laughs> <laughs> they're just terrible. <clears throat> these people are just they're awful. You know? This tribe is I don't know what's with these people, but they're so bitter, they're so angry. And of course all my friends are listening right now. But you know, it was something that I thought that I would never do and and just fell into it, and it just took off in a really significant way very, very quickly. It was the door just flung open. Wow. Do you remember what that point of transition was from the producing, the interviewing, and that kind of thing into uh, pub, pub, what, what do you say, publicity? Uh, publicity, sure. Yeah, publicity. Yeah, publicity. And then, and then uh, you know, what was it that opened that door? How did that door swing Well, open? I was hungry. I didn't have any money. <clears throat> And it's it's interesting how that could be a motivator. For <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but I wanted to buy groceries. And at the time, I was a freelance producer. So you're really entitled is what I'm I'm very entitled. <laughs> Obviously a trust fund baby. You know, I, I just grew up with so many servants. I have servants out waiting for me in the car, actually. <laughs> so we need to hurry it up here. I haven't, they haven't had a break for a couple of, of days. So... Look, I, I was sort of wondering what I was going to do next, and I got a call from an actor who worked on one of the CBS shows, and he said, look, I know that you're, you're a great speaker, you're a good guy, my ex-wife needs some help with PR. And of course, when somebody says ex-wife, you're just, well, you know, this is going to be, this is going to go well. This is going to go really well. And it turns out her publicist had a nervous breakdown. So the story is getting better and better and better, right? And you think, oh, just this is a dream job. Sign me up. Sign me up. And he said, well, you know, all you have to do is book a few things in L.A. and New York. And here's some money. And I thought, the only thing that I heard in that conversation after ex-wife and, you know... Nervous breakdown. Nervous breakdown was money. I thought, oh, this, this could work out. This is, my, this, is, this is for me. And, look, I was good at it. Part of the reason I was good at it is because I was bad at it. I had no idea that you weren't supposed to 
pitch in a certain way or approach an outlet that didn't know who the heck you were or your client was. I just was I was just this person just making these calls and those emails at that time. And before long, I had several clients and no business cards. I think I had five clients and no business cards. Wow. And I was moving into <clears throat> 1901 Avenue of the Stars, and that was within two and a half weeks, three weeks after starting. Oh, my gosh. Was, it was ridiculous. That's no, it was, so It was fast. silly nuts. It was, it was nuts. It was nuts. And, and I, was that word of mouth? Was it just this, this ex-wife I telling think, other people who told other people? You know, I think it was that I was meant for it. And people saw that for me. And even if I had not seen it for myself, other people responded and said, you know what? This is perfect for you. And it was, it was silly. You know, I hired an intern, as one does in Hollywood, and I had one phone at the time. So the intern would answer the phone and say, well, let me see if Mr. Roar is in the office. And then he'd put his hand over the phone and... <laughs> transfer it to me, air quote, transfer it to me, and it'd pick up and it'd be like, oh, I'm in my big office, my big plush office, when actually it was just a big empty empty room, wow. as it were. But hey, it, it, it was so exciting because you, you get to see your life change exponentially and you see your business grow 100% every hour almost. It was, yeah. it was a wonderful experience well and you're certainly not the first guest to come on and talk about how you faked it till you made it because i'm still faking it i'm still faking we've had so many nobody's gonna hear this this is is just a test run yeah 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 we're we're deleting this uh file once once we're done we we have had we've had several people even especially recently talk about how they just they made up an email and made up a, a, a an assistant and and use that to communicate as them or for for themselves in their stead, right, as a representative for... So, yes, I am so-and-so's assistant contacting the person who they want to get in touch with, their assistant, saying, like, uh, they would like to meet and talk about such and such, you know, and it, and it, it, seems, it's, it seems to work. Well, so. it's perception, and I, I think that there's the idea of do no harm. I think that's the big rule, right? So mm-hmm. if you're doing something and it feels icky and you know it's icky and, and other people are being hurt in the process, I think that you should maybe take a look at it. But this whole business is about perception, right? It's about image. It's about what we think somebody is. And in my business, we tell people what to think. And hopefully they agree with us. If they don't, <laughs> then, then, then we're sad and we, we cry. But usually they do. So I have a question about something that you just said that like lit me up, which is you were you were talking essentially about your naivete at the beginning and saying that you were good at it because you were bad at it. I think was was your quote. Do you still find yourself using the same strategies that you used then, even though you quote unquote know better now? Like even with all of your experience. Uh, of doing this for so many years, do you still find yourself applying some of those things, some of those things that you did, let's call it even accidentally at the time because of your naivete? Well, absolutely. And then also not at all. I'm a publicist. I have to speak out of both sides of my mouth after all. But, (laughs) you know, one of the things was you do what you say you're going to do. And there is a contract that you have with someone. It's your word, right? So you're always good with people and you're good to people and you build relationships in the media and you try to live up to those those contracts with people. So that's one thing. And, you know, being able to pick up the phone or send an email out of the blue is, is something that I will always do for myself and what I want my publicists who work for me to do and, and learn and and get into that habit because if you grow up in an agency where you're taking incoming calls, you're working for a huge agency and you've got big A-list people, well, you take a lot of calls you know, asking, hey, can we speak with so-and-so, right? So that is one way of generating publicity. The other way is making the calls yourself, going out and figuring out where your client needs to be to strategically get them to where they want to go. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's a different kind of approach. And I want to make sure that my folks always have the ability to go out and, and find those opportunities, just not respond to them. And, mm. you know, at the big agencies, that's, that can be a habit. 
that can be a habit where you you can't you can't pick up a phone you can't make you know an inquiry you can't build relationship I think that's super important now of course the business has changed dramatically since I began in 1937 <laughs> when I was working with Judy Garland and you know <laughs> so it's it's changed dramatically and one of the ways it has changed of course is social media it's yeah. just it's just a huge game changer, right? Yeah. And I remember when, I remember when, this is my old man Steve's story, I walked through the snow and there was World War II. Now, <laughs> Uphill I remember, both ways. I, well, I remember when the web was becoming something, right? Yeah. And we would get requests for interviews with some of our clients. And look, we would turn them down because we couldn't figure out how it mattered. We couldn't see any kind of result. It was very hard to to figure out how this would help. And our clients didn't understand it either. Now we know that online interviews, like your podcast, can reach millions of people around the world, Mm -hmm. whereas a local magazine, if they don't have a strong online presence as well, can be pretty much a finite opportunity, Mm -hmm. right? And so it it was a huge learning curve, but I've been along for the ride. And of course, with social media itself... Understanding that the the control has changed, the idea that now fans have a direct access or perceived direct access to to our talent or to to actors, that's changed because publicists were always the gatekeepers. Hmm. They were always the doctor knows, right? They said no, 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 and oh, maybe no, <laughs> and that was always the story. But now with social media. Fans do have that connection. I think it's a good thing, but it it's also made us relinquish some of our our unhealthy control. I'll say. Mm. Well, and it sounds like in your case specifically, and with your company, and I have I have some questions about the company specifically too. It sounds like in your case, you have been a lot more proactive as opposed to reactive. We had to, be, to survive, on... right? And I never wanted <clears throat> to be a big agency. That was never my goal. Ever, ever, ever. And I would grow pretty big, and we'd have 40 or 50 clients and seven, eight publicists, and it didn't feel right to me. I never felt comfortable in that scenario, ever. And I never wanted to be an important publicist. That was never my goal. It still isn't my goal. It doesn't, it doesn't really interest me. What interests me is the relationship you have with the client and that personal... the personal teamwork that you have and the cooperation and being invited into their their world and their their family life and understanding who they are and, and so it becomes a, a bigger story. You know, one of the my sister's a judge in Washington DC. She's a superior court judge. She's Whoa. like she's like twelve, I know. Wow. I have no idea what she's saying. I have <laughs> no clue. I just, you know, I make fun of her. Hey, are you wearing your robe? That kind of thing. <laughs> she loves that. So look She's doing very important work. There are people who are working on cancer treatments. What we're doing is lighter in some regard. And, and we do get this, that what you're doing is kind of bubblegum, right? And yeah. we even hear this from other PR practitioners who say, eh, it's Hollywood, it's entertainment, it's just, what are you really doing? But look, when you're talking about millions and millions of dollars, you're talking about a studio, you're talking about thousands and thousands of jobs, it becomes a different conversation. Yeah. And even when you're narrowing it down to your client, you can say, look, you know what? What you're doing, you know, okay, you're not curing cancer. But you're allowing her to do what she needs to do, which is promote this film. And in so doing, she's able to help the studio, help these thousands of people, generate millions of dollars, but also put food on the table for her kids. Send her grandchildren to college. Yeah. You know, there is something out of this. The other part of that is that you're supporting something that is hard to quantify, which is art, mm-hmm. which is the craft of acting. How do you quantify that? You know, actors even have trouble. They say, well, I'm just doing make-believe. They're doing more than that. They're doing more than that. They are, they are, they're talking about the human experience, and they're sharing the, the story of our culture, and they're helping to guide it. Sometimes this is very, very important, yeah. right? And 
so as, as a publicist, that's one of the joys that I have, that knowing that you can support the work of these real, these artisans, these true actors. You know, I've, I've been privileged to represent Hal Holbrook, and of course he was in Uta Hagen's first class with Jack Lemmon and Geraldine Page and a bunch of other people nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> and he's an eight-show-week guy. Right? There's a difference between these eight show week people and then these you know, new people who come on board and they're, they're not really, they're not in tune with what a company is all about. They're not in tune with, you know, auditioning and, and go, you know, trying to get something going, right? Or yeah. being creative in, in their craft at all. So I get to do that. I get to continue to support that artistry, which is, is personally satisfying for me. Yeah. Well, and I. I love that. I'm, I'm, I'm inspired just listening to that being your drive, your motivation, your foundation. It, it makes me wonder, does that mean that you are, because it sounds like based on some of the you know very quick asides you had about these other uh, publicists, that you probably have a higher moral ground? Well, I'm uh, much, possibly. much better, AJ. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I am, I am superb in every way. <laughs> no, of course not. Of course not. You know, people have their own way of doing things. And for me, this is what works for me. Yeah. That's but, the truth. So my question then, yeah, so my, my question is then, does that make you either more selective about the clients that you bring on or do you, do you want to know a more like about who they be outside of the business. No, absolutely. Like, where, where does where does that influence? I guess the people that you bring on. Well, I'm I'm very fortunate. I have never really gone out to any meetings to find a client in 13, 14 years. I've never taken a meeting to secure a client. All of my clients have been word wow. of mouth. Every single one of my clients has been word of mouth. And I think there's an accountability there. Also, I don't have time to be. You know, shopping for clients. I, I'm busy and trying to work on the clients that I have. Is that starting to answer some of your question a little bit? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if 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 the word of mouth, I mean, obviously, like begets like. Yeah. You know, if, if the people that you work with are people that you uh, enjoy representing well, and you enjoy that's working it. with, you know, and you I, know? I'm very fortunate in in that I do get to look at at the clients and say, hey, look, you know, this person isn't right for me. I look for stories. I look for stories. So if somebody comes to me and they're kind of a personality zero, it's very difficult for me to pitch them because, A, they're not going to show up and do anything significant and they might hurt the relationship, right? But they might also not have any stories to tell. And your story is not just about the project you're working on. It never is. It's about your brand. It's about the other things in your life that make you an interesting person. And my thing always with actors is you've got to be interested in other things. You've got to just be interested. And I'm not talking about, you know, just going to the gym all day long. You have to know what's going on. So I always say you need to be interested and you need to be interesting, and there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And how do you become more interesting? Well, you open up your eyes. You know what's going on in the world. I have, again, been privileged to work with, with clients who are, are so interested in the world around them, they become more interesting. These are the Cloris Leachmans of the world who I represented. She was one of my very first clients. Yeah. I represented her for four, almost five years. And she would tell me stories <clears throat> about how she would get characters or voices from maybe a, a, a maid that comes in and cleans the room. But she was always looking. She was always talking to everybody, right? And she would describe people. I remember she described Maureen Stapleton once as her face was like a pretzel. Isn't that interesting? And you know what? I thought that's fantastic because we're so caught up in this idea of beauty that this is what is going to make you into star, that, that you're attractive. But but an interesting face, one that's lived, that's, that's, that's where the yeah. art is. That's where you get to tell these stories, right? So I, I always want to have this person that I'm going to go out and put my name to, to, to have stories to tell, to be interested in other people as well. You know, there's, there's an idea, of course, that this business is very selfish. You have to be very selfish in this business. I'm not going to lie to you. It is a very selfish business, but 
in the same respect, you cannot lose touch with whatever makes you unique or interesting or different. And I see that happen a lot. And as soon as you, you lose that, you become less interesting and unique and less different. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it's all, I mean, it's all so, it's lovely because it's so aligned with a lot of what we talk about on the, on the show, but it's also looking at it from a whole different perspective. And well, I really love the respect that you have for <clears throat> the, the beast, the animal, the, not only the business, the entertainment business, but also the craft that it takes for the people that you represent specifically, the actors, um, to be able to tell their story, make their impact. And that so much of it has to do with, you know, how they look at the world and, yeah, and well, look at themselves in the world and, Absolutely, and part of it is is coaching. Part of it is an educational process. And what disturbs me in the last couple of years is this idea that fame is the all knowing, all being, all everything. You know, they they've done surveys that surveyed high school kids and said, "Well, what do you want to be when you grow up?" And they said, "Well, I want to be, I want to be famous. famous." What happened to firefighter? You know, what happened to nurse? What happened to teacher? They want to be famous. And for me, and this is what I say till I'm blue in the face, fame is a tool. It is nothing more. It is nothing less. It doesn't make you better than anyone else. And it won't fix your problems. Fame is a tool. Nothing more, nothing less. And if you forget that, you're in big trouble. And I've seen it, and it's scary, and it's detrimental to someone. And maybe not their career, but certainly to their soul. I'm purposefully leaving this silence here because that is just going to take a moment for me and hopefully everyone else to digest because... That's like quote of the podcast, quote of the century. Um, wow. Well, look, we have <clears throat> artists who go into this this wonderful business, and they're exploring themselves, right? They're trying to figure things out. They're looking at the world and, and looking at themselves, and they have to do that. And some damaged people come in. And if you believe that fame is going to fix your insecurities or somehow validate you, you're going to be sadly mistaken because all it does is magnify them a billion times. Mm -hmm. A billion times. So you need to figure out how to fix that stuff before it happens. Or at least be aware that fame is a tool. And if you start believing that you are better than other people because you are famous, that's the end. Yeah. That is the beginning of the end. Yeah. It's certainly not going to fill any holes. Like you said, it's just going well, to like magnify, and I, I think magnify that it, those holes. Well, and also, as an artist, what do you do with that? You know, now I'm fixed. Well, are, are you fixed? <laughs> and, you know, true, true artists, you know, you see, they, they look at fame differently. If, if you look at people who are, are working today and who are successful today, you can tell. There are people who look at things very, very differently. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it is... Man, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, too. It is it is a shame that there are people out there who are famous for being famous, who are literally paid to just be <laughs> known by a lot of people. Yeah, um, I, AJ, I used to feel the same <clears throat> way because I thought, well, wait a second. Who, who are you? So you live in a trailer and you're telling your story and your kid is fat. All right, so there you go. <laughs> so what, what, what do you, you know, what, what do you want... What do you want? Okay, you get you get your own show and you get your own tiara and you get a billion dollars. Okay, there, I think there's room for that, and I think that there's there's been room for that for a long time. The Gabor sisters, right? They what did they do? They were I'm going to say actors, and I, you know, they were they performed at some point, but they were they were famous for being famous in some way. The shame though is when the the public is more interested in those folks because it becomes more difficult for the publicist than to pitch media and to say, well, I have this real actor. She won a Golden Globe and she's 
you know, she's an Emmy winner, and they're more interested in somebody from Real Housewives, yeah, because that's going to drive the numbers. And I'm not a big media blamer. I, I am absolutely not a media blamer. No, I get it. It's, know, the, it's, it's, it's the consumer. It, 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 we're all responsible for it. Yeah, we are all responsible for it. Yeah. I'm, I'm no better. We are all. I click on that link when I see something. Right. I want to know what's going on. And so, you know, if it if it bleeds, it leads. So I, I want to know what's going on, but. It, it, that's where the shame is. That's where the shame is. And I think the shame also is that it tends to to be hurtful for people who are not, who are unprepared for it, who are unprepared for when it goes away. And if you have a career of any kind of note, you will not be in the limelight 24 hours a day for 50 years. That's not the way it works. Yeah. It, it just ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. And it, if it's now... You know, flowing out, and that's what you count on for your self-esteem. You're in big trouble. Yeah, you're in some big trouble. And so I know that some actors during hiatus or between shows, they'll do all kinds of stuff. They'll go to pottery class, or they will paint, Mm -hmm. or they'll teach. One of my clients teaches kickboxing. You know, before now she's on a big CBS show, but when she was between shows, she would teach kickboxing, and she'd be the girl who's the kickboxing teacher. And then people would say, uh, you, I just thought you were on television. <laughs> She's like, yeah, you need to kick harder. All right? And because I think, it, it, you know, it, it's what it is. Did, was it for the money? No. It just, it's creativity. It's, it's yeah. being grounded. It's being dialed into being a person. Yeah. yeah we had one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite quotes, and it still inspires me to, to this day that we ever had on the podcast was uh, by uh, an actor named James Dumont. And he said, uh, your only job as an actor is to get better. So, you know, throw away the fame, throw away the making money, throw away the, like, you know, workshops, the, 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 the quote-unquote networking, which we sometimes refer to as the N-word. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. throw it all away. It's really like your only job is to just get better. I always say that. And I, and I the, say the that rest, all the time. Yeah, it is then, about the work. Yeah. It is about the work. 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 That's what it's about. Yeah. And if somehow you think that going to a gifting suite or going to a red <laughs> carpet is is going to replace the work, you're in trouble. Going to those things are, is also work, though. Yeah. PR sure, is work sure, sure. because fame is a tool, so you have to exercise that tool. But you, that's it. You go and you work. Yeah. That's why social media, for me, one of the things that I always tell young actors immediately is you don't get to be a 19 year old anymore you don't get to be a 17 year old anymore you don't you no longer get to be that person and that goes for social media social media is business it's not personal just like fame is not personal social media is not personal it's not you're not on twitter to make friends you're on it as a business so anything that you tweet anything that you share has to be business related and there's been a conversation about this because we've had established actors who have gone on Twitter or Facebook and they've made all kinds of comments. And so I always tell young actors, be very careful not to post anything negative, ever, ever. I don't take the same advice for myself if anybody follows my Twitter, <laughs> but you can't. If you say, oh, this movie sucked or this director sucked, in a month from now, in a year from now, in 10 years from now, you could be in the same room with that director that you just tweeted 10 years ago that they sucked, and that's going to come back to you, right? Everything is great. It's, you just don't say anything. There was an incident with Viola Davis, who won the Emmy, yeah. made history, right, yeah. with leading drama role, and she had this marvelous speech, mm-hmm. absolutely marvelous speech. It was extraordinary, and... She quoted Harriet Tubman, and she talked about this line that women were, were trying to cross, right? This women of color. And a lot of people were very inspired by that, but one person wasn't. And it was, it was a daytime actress, a very wonderful daytime actress, very established and beloved actress. And nobody asked her her opinion, but she gave her opinion, and... She basically said this is this is overrated, and you know I'm paraphrasing a lot here, but you know she criticized it, and and 
she didn't need to. See, that was a thing. Who is she? Is she the chair of the NAACP? Who is she? That nobody asked her her opinion, right, about Viola Davis's speech. And this woman is not a person of color. Mm. It's tricky. Yeah. So she got a lot of heat for that. She got a lot of heat. But she didn't stop then. She just kept on trying to fix it over and over again, which is a huge, huge mistake, right? Huge mistake. But the responsibility is bigger because she was representing a network and an established daytime show Mm. worth millions of dollars and thousands of jobs for decades. And she forgot that Twitter was not her personal forum to air whatever she wanted to air, right? It is a business, period. Yeah, and and I, I do like that you bring up you know, the damage that could potentially be done to other people who never were, you know, were not co-conspirators on that, on that trajectory, on that post. Like, you know, the person, the grip from the set or whatever isn't helping you. They need to isn't put food on you, the table. Yeah. Compose right? that tweed That's right. <laughs> that you do that all of a sudden, you know, let's go to the furthest, furthest extreme and the right. entire show gets shut down. Right. And now, like, the thousands of people, like you said... Being accused of racism, down. right? <laughs> and I have a client on that same show. And that puts my client in jeopardy. Because when my client goes and does press now, they're there's ask, a question. They're going to be asked oh, They have to ask. Yeah. They have to yeah. ask. And, you know, I know the publicists say, well, you can't ask these questions. They have to ask. I come out of news. They have to ask. They are irresponsible if they don't ask. Right. They're irresponsible to their fans. They're irresponsible to their profession. They have to ask. So it puts my client in jeopardy. So what does my client ask? Right? Yeah. I live under a rock. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no, you have to know and have, have know. some kind of answer. Yeah, and... yeah, of course you have to be prepared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I hope that you enjoyed the knowledge bombs dropped by Steve as much as I did. And I, I really, truly believe that this is a, a different, just a different way of looking at things. I mean, it, it had to be, right? He's the first publicist we had on the podcast for sure. But even more than that, just the mindset behind it and um, the approach and what it may mean for the podcast moving forward. And I'm so excited for you guys to hear the second and, and I think probably third part. I think we're, this will be a three-parter. The second and third parts because it just keeps getting better and juicier and deeper. And we just keep going deeper and deeper down this. this um, it's, it's not even a rabbit hole. It's like this creative... Um, uh, the, the creative and and business of the business coming together in what Steve does and the way that he passionately talks about it. It's, it's so good. I'm tripping over myself just talking about it. So we have a, a couple of really exciting things about to talk about with regards to Steve's interview. The first is that he has agreed after the, the we stopped rolling tape, we talked to him for quite some time. And as you uh, may or may not have uh, understood in the interview, Jen was also with me at the at the interview. We talked for a, a little bit, and one of the things we said is, "Man, our listeners are probably going to have a ton of questions for you." You know, and I even asked, of course, we always ask, "How can people get in touch with you?" And he talks about his Twitter account, but we also wanted to maybe formalize it and let all of our listeners take advantage. So, throughout the next few weeks, if you have a question for Steve. If you have a question about publicity, if you have a question about something he says, write into the podcast. Just send us a quick email, put in the subject heading maybe something like question for Steve, Roar, and 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 throw your questions in there. Because what we're going to do is we're going to compile all the questions and send them to him in an email. And either we're going to have him back on to answer them or um, he has agreed to just go through and literally answer them one by one. And then we'll just read them on the podcast, maybe during the uh, Q&A session that we have before some of the interviews. So I'm really excited about that. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of that resource because, um, you know, he's he's a super generous guy and spent a lot of time with us, but he's willing to continue to 
extend his generosity to us, our community, the podcast, etc. So very exciting. The second thing I wanted to talk about is <clears throat> the second thing I wanted to talk about is Steve has also also has ties with a, a book publishing company, and it's the book pu- publishing company that has published two really awesome books, uh, one called Write It to Win It, 39 Secrets from a Screenwriting Contest Judge by Sean Hinchy, and the second, many of you may have, maybe you've already read it or at least heard of it, it's called Fine on Acting by Howard Fine, by acting teacher Howard Fine. So what he's offered to do is give us copies of these books to give away on the podcast. So... Anyone who signs up as a member during the air dates of Steve's interviews, so in other words, from now until his interviews end in a couple of weeks, uh, three weeks, um, you can join the membership and we will send you a copy of one of these two books, whichever you choose. Uh, The quantities are limited. Uh, I can't yet say how many we're going to have, but we'll update you guys on future episodes and we'll also have a very specific date range within which you can you can join starting from probably the date of publishing of this episode to you know the last the day before the episode airs um, that includes the interview after Steve's so that'll be about the date range so it's gonna be about three weeks that you can sign up to be a member and get a free copy of either write it to win it or fine on acting so some really cool stuff and we're really grateful to Steve for gifting that to our community all right so without trevor here i'm gonna skip the picks of the week this week we'll pick up with those next week and just go ahead and wrap this bad boy up so today's episode of inside acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly aj meyer jen levin is our production coordinator godali gubrick is our marketing web director jasmine bristow is our director of public relations and deborah smith is our community manager Trevor Algat edited, did edit, and mixed today's episode despite being out of town and also composed our theme and interview music. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch, which Jasmine is crushing at the moment, or always. She's taken over as our, our PR person, and those are now offering just as much value as the podcast itself. And, of course, listen to all of our recent episodes at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on iTunes and your Five-star reviews are hugely appreciated. <laughs> a special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and Viotogogo.com, and thanks to you, our listeners. If you love Inside Acting and you want to ma- maximize its value in your life and career, sign up as a monthly member and get cool perks, like access to our membership message board, cool freebies, invites to exclusive member meetups, like the ABC meetings or the one that Deb Smith just threw uh, last week that many of you attended, discounts on merchandise, and... Uh, a free book right now and and much much more just visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab and that's it for episode 210 of inside acting thanks for listening we'll see you next week and in the meantime fame is a tool nothing more nothing less